Pete McCall, and this is the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast. Oftentimes, when we hear the word entrepreneur, we think of someone who is starting a business from scratch. They have nothing. They have an idea. They have a dream. They have a vision and nothing else. That is a typical, that's a typical version of an entrepreneur, somebody who starts a business by themselves or with others for the sake of starting a business. But did you know it's also possible to be an entrepreneur within an existing organization? If you work for an order, if you work for an employer, you can be an entrepreneur with the role that you have. Yes, you may have a job. Yes, you may be a classified as a regular employee and not a consultant. But you can still take the opportunity to do more within your job. It doesn't matter what you do within the fitness industry, whether you're a trainer, whether you're an opening, you know, opening fitness floor shift, whether you're a seasoned manager, whether you're an owner. You can always be learning a little bit more. You can always learn how to do things a little bit better. Years ago, in one of my first sales jobs, they pre years years ago in one of my first sales jobs, and I was not cut out for sales but I learned a lot from this. They preached the idea of Kaizen. Kaizen is this Japanese principle of improving by 1% at a time. Think about that. If we strive to do things better 1% today than we did yesterday, within 100 days, we've made a significant change. So it doesn't matter how much you change. It doesn't matter how different you are taking big, big jumps, big leaps. What matters is can you implement just a little bit at a time? And that really is what fitness is all about. So what I want to do my goal for this episode of the Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast is to bring you a different type of entrepreneur, someone who's been entrepreneurial within an organization, also someone who's been an entrepreneur within the fitness industry. Doris Hughes is a longtime fitness industry consultant, educator, master trainer. She's been an international presenter, and now she's working as a vice president of group fitness, team training, and innovation for VASA. Vasa Fitness is a chain of health clubs that started in the Midwest, and it's a rapidly growing chain. And I've had the pleasure and, and the, indeed the privilege of working with Doris pretty closely the last couple of years. We're both master trainers for Core Health and Fitness. So I've seen her evolve into this role. And if you've ever wondered, okay, I'm an instructor now, I'm a trainer, but yet I want to be more involved in the organization, then you'll get a lot out of the interview today because Doris tells her story of how she got started in fitness, how she went from working part-time to being where she is today. And if you're looking to be a leader, if you're looking to take that next step, if you have the thoughts of that, hey, you want to take the mantle and be the next leader with an organization or start an organization to be an entrepreneur of, you're going to get a lot out of my conversation. You're going to get a lot out of my conversation with Doris Seuss. So on this episode of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast... It's a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with Doris Dews, the Vice President of Group Fitness, Team Training, and Innovation for Vasa Fitness. I'm Pete McCall with the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur Podcast, and I'm here today with Ms. Doris Doris Dews. Doris, can you go ahead and you said a really long title, and I apologize. I'm not going to do the service. Tell us what it is that you do for Vasa Fitness. I am fortunate to be the Vice President of Group Fitness, Team training and innovation. Uh, what is what exactly? I know group fitness and team training are pretty, you know, pretty standard. What does innovation mean? What is, what's your role with innovation? Oh, innovation is so fun. That could be anywhere from what the club looks like, what type of what type of programming, what type of marketing, 
member experience. It's a really open category that is super creative and super fun. And anything can, from technology to, you know, wearables to apps to really anything that's going to create a be- better member experience. And for us, it creates fun and happy fitness. I like that because innovation is relatively, like you said, relatively wide open for that. Now, how long have you been involved with Vasa? And can you tell us, give us a little bit of background about what Vasa is? Because that's a relatively, it's a new player, but I think it's going to be an important uh, player in our industry. Well, um, I've been in the fitness industry for well over 30 years. I, I stopped counting, frankly. But I started in 1984 uh, behind the front desk as a 6 a.m. instructor didn't show up, and I was super excited. And I, I pulled up my leg warmers and broke out my Sheila E. Glamour's Life album, and I taught my song leading routine uh, till they figured it out, and then we did sprints in the parking lot till they threw up. And uh, I was the most popular instructor, which was awesome, uh, with no CPR, no ACE, no APA, no idea, because it just didn't exist. And today, to fast forward as vice president um, of VASA, it's my second VP role, but it's the first VP at VASA as a female. And, and, and it's really exciting because VASA is – is was started in the root of, of fitness. In fact, our founder, Lynette, was a single mom who taught aerobics on a stage with a curtain, with a boom box, and she built this company. She married her husband, Scott, and they built that class into 30 clubs when I started, and I just started in July, and since July, we've opened four more clubs, and we have an aggressive plan of opening more than 30 clubs in 30 months. And really, our category is a new category in fitness, which makes it super exciting. And we are basically, you know, low-cost, high-value. So Costco pricing with a Nordstrom's experience. A bit a la carte, based on what you need is what you pay. Um, And it's just super exciting to be in a new category, to know that this all started with aerobics, where I started as well. And the fact that a VP role was available to work under uh, great leadership and to take this company to, you know, the next 30 locations and more. Well, and that's a, there's a lot in there. And for listeners, I want to kind of take a couple things here. One, how important is it for you, Doris, to have reached the vice president level? I mean, I know you've been, you've been working in the field a long time, but when you started teaching group fitness, did you ever foresee that being a goal of yours? Well, you know, in 1984, I knew that there was something magical about movement. I just, I knew it. You know, as, a, as an athlete, I was going to be a college athlete. But in 1984, you know, there really was, the fitness industry was very young, and there wasn't an opportunity. And one of the best blessings was is I just taught through high school and through college. And then at 24-Hour Fitness, I was able to come on board and actually create the ever-first-time, full-time group fitness supervisors ever. And it was like, oh, my gosh, full-time supervisors, what? How do you do that? Well, you hire professional people, you pay them full-time, and you give them benefits. And that changed the game. And I actually spoke at World Idea on this. I think it was 19, oh, like 95, I taught on it, 95, 96. It was, it was a big deal. It was a game changer. And now everybody seems to be full-time or there's a lot of full-time positions. So, you know, thinking about um, kind of a, a hobby, in fact, my accountant would look at my taxes back in the day and go, is this a hobby or is this really a job? And then to go from that and then to be a fit in fitness full-time and then to provide and create full-time positions and then to be a divisional director with 24-Hour Fitness, 
Um, and then to, you know, travel internationally as a program director, an international master trainer and speaker, and then now to have the ability to have a vice president position is phenomenal. It's my second actual vice president position, but it's, it's just rare that now that group fitness is now so recognized as a powerhouse in the fitness industry that these positions need to have, need to have be available to people, especially people who have the history and the background because group fitness is not just retention, it's revenue, it's experience, it's everything. Um, and group fitness is a third of my title. And then team, team is hot because small group is, is, you know, the magical number for fitness right now. Like everyone's like, how do you do it? How do you do it successfully? And then innovation. So I really am proud that I've been able to grow in this industry and, you know, and have opportunities and to be a female VP is a really big deal in the fitness industry because if you look around, there are not very many of them. One that I really admire is Mo Hagen, who also is a VP of Group Fitness and Innovation, um, and she's out of Canada. But it, there's very few titles, but they're starting to come more and more, and I'm really proud that I get to do it, and I'm really proud that the industry and companies like Vasa recognize it and provide the opportunities. Well, and, that, and that's, we're going to come back to that because I think that's an important issue to – that we can talk about and hold up for people. But one thing that I want to step on here for a second or focus on for a second, Doris, is that this is the, the Empowered Entrepreneur podcast, and most people perceive entrepreneurs as starting their own business, yet you've worked for organizations your entire career. Not true. Of course, well, Not. I mean, you, you're, you're – but you, but primarily you've taught and you've done other things. Well, where I'm going with this question is, and I know you've been an independent consultant, can you be an entrepreneur? Is it possible, and how so? How is it possible to be an entrepreneur within an organization? Like, were you an entrepreneur within 24, and, and do you have entrepreneurial responsibilities within VASA? Like, how can somebody, looking at what you're doing today and going, I'm just a group exercise instructor, how do I get there? As well, there's a, about, well there's, a, there's a few things. I have to tell you, you know, I did grow up in a corporate structure, but I left 24-Hour Fitness and for 14 years owned my own company. I owned my own company and uh, and actually worked with major brands, which would be Core Health and Fitness, Schwinn, Bosu, and all those folks. So, and then I went back to corporate and was a, and now I'm currently a VP at Vasa, but I had two VP jobs before there. I think every day you have to be an entrepreneur if you want to be a leader. If you want to evolve, you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit, regardless of who signs your check. So, when I knew early on I wanted to teach, the first step of leadership is raising your hand. I, I decided I'm going to teach that class at 6 a.m. And then after that, I looked at, you know, 24-hour fitness and said, gee, I think I want to be a coordinator. And I worked my I, – I made my own business plan to be a coordinator, then a regional, then a divisional. And then I realized, hey, I want to be in fitness education. No one's providing that for me, so I'm going to have to do this on my own as an independent contractor. And that's when I became a master trainer and a program director and, you know, hustling to make things happen and getting context and experience. And then I recognized that everything I've learned in the past 30 years, I wanted to give back. And it was the right CEO, and it was the right opportunity where I said, okay, I'm ready to go back to the, you know, the corporate America and teach them what I've learned. And even in this, you have to, I have to be an entrepreneur because I have to say in my position, what is the competition doing? How can I make it different? I think in any position, whether you are owning your own company or you're working for a a company, you have to create your path. 
You have to be just a little different. You have to work just a little harder. You have to want it more. You have to pay your dues. You have to have a mentor. You have to have a champion. You have to have, you know, a sponsor. There are things you have to do whether you're getting a paycheck every month or you're creating your paycheck. You have to have an entrepreneurial spirit or you're not going to be a leader. You're just, you're not going to be. Well, let's take that because I know you've had some very influential people that you've worked with, or you've worked with people who are major influences. Who, you know, who within fitness and who outside of fitness stores? Because I think you're one of the few, not one of the few, but you're one of the people I speak with who always has some good insights from outside our business. So, who within our industry has been a mentor, and where have you looked outside of fitness to kind of give you some leadership ideas? Uh, well, it's super easy because, like I said, when I graduated from college, there was no full-time fitness job. So I actually worked Fortune 500. I also was an insurance broker and owned my own book of business that I sold back at the age of 30 so I could go into fitness full-time, which was a crazy jump. People thought I was nuts. But I would say I remember one of my um, one of my first mentors, his name was Mark Goldman. This is so old. I think I was like 23 at the time. And... Um, he would say successful people do what others won't. And, and he would, I remember working late in the office and he came up to me, it was probably 8.30 at night, he looked at me and he said, I know you're going to be successful because successful people do what others won't. The fact that you're here working and studying and learning and just putting in a little bit more tells me you're going to be successful. And so that was huge. And I think, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that are smarter than me and more letters after their name. But at the end of the day is I will outwork you. Because successful people do what others will. It's that work ethic. It's that tenacity. It's being good is not good enough. But that is huge. So that was a huge influence on me. Another book I read, Susan Jeffers, Feel, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. It's really important that when you're a little afraid and you're a little nervous, that's a good sign. That tells you you're onto something. It tells you you're stretching yourself, that there's going to be some growth and there's going to be some payoff. I also think, too, um, not to be afraid to fail, and that has come with age and maturity, but um, being perfect is being safe, and that is not healthy. I think you need to be able to, to fail, and there's, there's several books I could, I could reference. So I think a lot of my influences have been um, books. I would say from the industry standpoint, it's so easy for me to point to Jay Blonick, who has been my mentor for many, many years. Shalene Johnson, I worked back in the day. Not only was she a fitness icon, she's a very savvy businesswoman. Uh, and wonderful person, and you know, I've worked with, you know, you know, we work with Jeffrey and, and Amy, and now I, I work with a CEO, his name is Rich Nelson, and he has just been um, just incredible to work with. He just really uh, embraces who I am, where I'm at, lets me go, and gives me great coaching. And I think, I think you're hitting on that there, Doris. Number one, I think we have to kind of be not afraid to fail. I mean, that kind of sounds like a Yodaism there. I do think that sometimes we get too caught up in, oh, I have to do it the right way. We have to do it. That sometimes people get frozen in their decision-making. Would you mind, is there something that you would want to share, kind of like a failure and, and what that's taught you or something that maybe didn't go the way you had planned and, and how you turn that into a growth lesson? Mm. <laughs> that's a great question, Pete. There's so many failures I could share on. Okay, here's a good one. So when I was teaching yoga, I had to take over a class. Um, because, of course, the instructor was naughty, and the supervisor was too afraid to teach it. So I'm like, I'll teach it. So I went in front, and, of course, that person front and center just, oh, gave me, just glared at me, just glared at me, oh, you know. And and she would always squint, and she'd be like, ah, 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 and it just it drove me nuts. 
So every week she was front and center and I'd be like, ugh, I try not to look at her. And then one week she didn't show up. And honestly, I was like, yes, she's not here. And even the members were like, woo, yay, she's not here. Because she was really just that, she was that instructive. So then the next week, guess what? I come back to class and there she is. But guess what? Her head is shaved. And she has stitches in her head. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, everything went to the door. And I said, what is wrong? Are you okay? And she said, oh, you don't know? I have brain cancer. And um, I've negotiated with my doctor that I, that I, he told me I couldn't work out, but I told him I had to take your class. And that's why I'm front and center. And that's why I squint because I can't see well. And that's why I'm groaning and, and huffing and puffing and because I can't nail the poses like I used to as I'm starting to degenerate. And I'm like, loser. I'm a loser. I'm a horrible person. And then she said, I just want you to know that I am going to, you know, I have to do another round of chemo. It's not looking good. But I told my doctor I won't do it unless I could take your class. So after that, I was like, oh, you do whatever you want to do. In fact, take the mic. Do your thing. And the class started to recognize that she started to fail. And she literally took her class to the end. And, and even, like, the last couple classes, she would just lay there. And she just breathed with us. And what was really amazing is when she did pass, her daughter, her, her husband reached out to me and said, you know, I don't think you realize the impact you had on my wife, and which impacted our family. And my daughter would like to come back and practice on her mat in her spot and tell everybody thank you. So what does that tell you? Never judge a book by the cover. What does that tell you? When people come at you in an awkward way, it's not about you. It's about it's about them. There's something going on. So I've always, it taught me not only as an instructor, but as a leader, when people are acting differently or disruptive, it's not about you. The world does not revolve about you. It's, it's about them. And you never know what baggage is coming into the group fitness room or, frankly, the boardroom. And that's such an important. I need to take a moment here. That's such a, that's such an important thing. And I think we've all anybody who's taught a class doors has had somebody, maybe not to that depth, but I think there's always been somebody that you were you made a judgment about at first, and then you got to know them. You're like, oh, wow, I was a complete idiot for doing that. I mean, I definitely I, I think that's a very important lesson to step back and and learn from. Looking at this and and looking at kind of what you're doing. What is it that the the VP of Group Fitness and, and Team Training and Innovation, kind of what's your overall role and what do you find yourself kind of doing day to day? Well, uh, the culture is critical. We, uh, You know, I work for a CEO who firmly believes in culture, and I do too. When you have good culture, you'll have great results. So what am I doing? I'm number one. I'm making sure that I'm, I'm serving. So I'm serving the people that work for me, that serve the people that work for them, that serve the people who work for them, that serve the members. And I think at the end of the day, if you have a, a happy employee, you're going to have a happy member. So it's all about serving. I think it's about culture. So whether it's restructuring the company for success, giving people the tools they need, paying the people they should what they should be getting paid, feeding the people with education, acknowledging, recognizing, um, you know, providing support. I'm serving. I'm serving every day um, on the group fitness side. I'm also finding innovative ways to to inspire our instructors as well as inspire our members. Uh, team training, again, it's a lot of technology. It's a lot of programming. It's a lot of delivery um, content, heavy content. And then innovation is like always being open-minded to what the future could look like and, and dreaming. Like, it's like, oh, my gosh, I would imagine if we could do this and then saying, okay, what steps can we take to do that? So I think what I do every day is I serve. I serve every day, whether it's 
you know, learning. I'm constantly learning. Learning, making decisions, supporting, listening, connecting. And one of my tools, one of my number one things is I actually don't really have a I do. I am based in the Colorado corporate office, but I'm I'm hardly in the office. I'm always in the clubs, always in the clubs. There's a joke like Doris is coming to a club near you, because I can't lead from a desk. I have to lead from the field. I have to be arm in arm. I have to see how things are handled. I have to see how things are being distributed in the field. How things are being communicated. Um, and I just I like to lead. I like to lead in the club, and I like to lead by example. So. What am I doing? I'm in a club a lot, <laughs> and I love it. Well, let me ask you this, because this is a question that, that I've had, you know, some of us talk about privately with a number of friends. What do you think happens when a club loses sight of the fact they have to really listen to the employees and listen to the members? We don't know that need to go into specific examples of companies or players. But Never, yeah. Just in general, but just in general, do you think, A, it's easy to do? Kind of what do you think happens um, when, when that takes place? Oh, it's super easy to see. I can spot it a mile away. Um, there's a disconnect. There's an absolute disconnect. So when leadership isn't connected with the field, there's an absolute disconnect because what leadership may want to execute is certainly not happening in the field. People may say, yeah, 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 but they don't actually do it. Um, there's a disconnect, and a disconnect becomes, you know, you're not as loyal. You're not connected. And when you're not connected and there's 8,000 other places to work, that's where you go. I don't think instructors, you know, or trainers necessarily teach for the money. Yes, we have to pay our bills, but a lot of it is, you know, the experience, the value, the education. Um, you know, I taught I taught at many clubs. I'm not going to say who they are, but there's a club that I made half the amount of money than I made at another club, and I would teach there to the end of my career if I could because I love the members. They have a working sound system. They're, they're, I, I see the coordinator. I know what's going on in the company, and I'm, I'm included. So I think when you when you have a disconnect and you have you don't have loyalty, and then and when when mama's not happy, the house ain't happy. When your instructors and your trainers aren't happy, your members aren't happy. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, and that's, you, that's one thing that is evidently obvious. And I know you spent a lot of years walking into clubs as a master trainer. And I can tell you, Doris, when I walk into certain clubs, hey, you know, there's, there's an automatic mojo. You know whether that club yep. has a good mojo or whether that club yep. doesn't. And those clubs that don't, the clubs that don't pay attention to their, their staff and don't pay attention to their members, People like you and me can pick up on it within five minutes of walking into the facility. Was it, is that, am I alone in that, or do you ever feel that when you walk into a new facility? Oh, you can see it. I mean, you can see it right away. And, and to me, I think the number one, the number one job in the company is actually the front desk. Number one position in the company. Not because I started there, but they're the heartbeat. And I think that, that initial experience with the front desk sets the tone. So I could tell right away. And then, um, you just know, and you can, you can just, you can tell when a club is um, is in trouble because you can tell is it clean? What's the do people take pride in the facility? Yeah. Yeah. You can just tell in how it looks, how it feels, how it smells. There is an instant energy. There's an instant energy that you feel, and and, and that sounds really fluffy and untangible. But I can tell you when someone who's who's about to be acquired, or someone's about to get sold, or someone's brand new, or someone really believes. In their, in their facility, it's it's like ownership. It's like having a car that you love. You take care of it. And you can, no. like having a prime car is like having a prime club. It's very evident and obvious. 
do you think that there are enough opportunities for women in our industry uh, in terms of the executive? Because I see a lot. This is just me having been in it for years. Obviously, I'm not a female, but just from what I see from my standpoint, it seems like there are leadership opportunities, but they get relegated to group fitness, to human resources, and that while our industry up to this point hasn't really had a me-too moment, I think we could do a much better job of creating leadership opportunities for, what, 60%? 60% of health club members are women, yet they're underrepresented in leadership within the companies. That's one thing. Is that evident to you as somebody who's been working in this field for a long time, or is this something that's kind of like completely misperceiving? Oh, my gosh. I could tell you so many stories. <laughs> Let me just say for the record that I believe the right person with the right skills should get the job. That I believe 100%. I think there's a few things that, that plug into play. So regardless of your sex, if you're the right candidate, you should get the job. But I think there's a few things. I think it's the industry, and I also think it's women themselves. There's a statistic that shows that if a man is 60% prepared for a job, he will interview for it, where a woman will want to make sure she's 100% prepared. So women, in many ways, hold themselves back from opportunities. So that's part of it. The, sex, the other part is, yes, historically, uh, come on. I mean, I was a, I, I didn't want to say, I was a divisional director for a company with 67 clubs and three states. And, and I had people who had VP titles who had a third of my responsibilities. Come on. I mean, it's, it's a long time coming. That, that these positions that, if, that weren't a VP title in fitness, whether it's group fitness, personal training, or whatever, that it just needs to happen. And it takes, it takes, um, uh, companies who are that are bold and fair, and leadership that recognize the importance of the departments that will create the title. And and as I said, it doesn't matter if you're a, a male or a female. It's really whoever should get the job. But the reality is, I have to say, I could speak for group fitness and um, uh, group fitness specifically. There are few people that have my title. Start, start searching. There's very few. Well, I think we're a young industry. We're a young industry, and it was aerobics, and it was a part-time gig, and it was a hobby. And then, guess what? These people need to be co- organized. So then, they became coordinators. And then, gosh, what? We have multiple clubs. Well, now we probably need director managers. And then, oh, what? Now we're a director. So the industry has evolved, and as these evolved, then it needs you know bigger roles and bigger titles. But I think it's funny if you really think about the the number of employees. My last two positions, um, group fitness. Is more than, and I'm being conservative. Conservative is more than 35% of your employees. Group fitness is more than 35% of your employee base. 35%. And yet those those positions don't necessarily have big titles. That's really interesting to me. Granted, most of them are part time. Granted, and I just think I think what's happened is. The industry, aerobics, has evolved, and it's gotten more and more sophisticated and more and more competitive. And I think, too, the industry is recognizing how important group fitness is, and that's another reason why the titles are happening, because the, they're recognizing how important it is. And then, number two, someone like myself who's been around for 30 years, now I am a candidate to fill a VP role because I have the experience and the tenure to do it. So that's part of it, too. But I, I also, and I really want to, like, speak back to back to the, you know, women need to lean in, they need to raise their hands, they need to lean in, and in this industry, it's been primarily dominated and led by men. And I'm not, like, saying that's a bad thing, I'm just saying let's open up the door for the right candidates, and I, I believe that a lot of those are female. Well, and I think, to that point, I, I think you're right. I think sometimes 
it's easier. I think guys will raise their hands first. Not all the time. Not, this is generalized, not generalizing. But I think guys will sometimes raise their hand. And I think sometimes women might, you know, not want to kind of upset the apple cart. But there's no, there's no one right answer to this, Doris. But what I want to do is at least get people to start thinking. And the fact that there are opportunities and, and people are creating opportunities. So what would you say to that young woman that came up to you and said, hey, Doris, in five years, ten years, I want to be a VP. What would you, what would kind of be your path? What would you suggest for her to start doing now? Well, there's a few things. Um, number one, uh, read the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg, which is, she's a CEO of uh, Facebook. She's kind of a big deal. Uh, but interesting, she's in the top four. She's like number eight <laughs> of the top female CEOs. So number one, I would tell them to start studying female CEOs and start learning their story and how they got there. Um, five years is, a, is quite quick, but, you know, Pete, you and I are master trainers, and people come to us and go, I'm going to be a master trainer. And you're like, why? And they don't know why, but they just want to be it. I think you need to slow down and figure out why you want to do what you do. I knew early on I wanted to move the masses, so I started teaching. I knew I needed to move the masses, so then I thought, well, if I if I teach people, I can touch all these people. But if I manage people, I can do the managers and then the people. And then I was a regional and then a divisional. And then, like, I want to touch the world. So then I started being a master trainer. I want to give back to everything I know. Now I'm a VP. My why has never changed. My why is has been just a singular line through my entire career. It's about moving the masses. Vasa is about the masses. Vasa is high value. I'm like, it's like it's a high value, low price point, which means I'm going to hit more people than most facilities. So what's your why? Why do you want to do it in the first place, number one? Number two, study what it takes to be a CEO. It's not easy. Uh, it's not, it's not, or a VP. Study. Um, find a mentor. Find a mentor who can get you there. Number three, uh, really focus on your why and what you want to do and be the very best at it. Don't do 8 million things. The fitness industry now has 8 million offerings, and then you become the jack of all trades, the master of none. Focus on one thing and do it really, really well and be an expert in that category. And then after a mentor, you need to find a sponsor. Find someone who can finance. So a sponsor for us, Pete, would be like Core Health and Fitness who pays for us to go on the road to teach Schwinn's courses or, or um, Boxmaster courses or whatever, HIT trainings. And then, more importantly, uh, you, if you're lucky, you'll find a champion. A champion is someone who picks up the phone and opens the door for you and gives you opportunity. So I have three of those right now. You know, I have Jay Blanc, who's done a lot for me um, on my career. I, uh, Rich, who's my CEO, Rich Nelson. And then Sarah Cooperman, frankly, has opened up a lot for me lately. I'm really transitioning more into speaking and specifically like the keynote side and business side. And she's just been providing me opportunities. It's been really great. So, Find that champion who can open that door for you. And this is, you gotta pay your dues. You gotta pay your dues. You gotta fail. It's okay. See, I've learned more from failing than being perfect. Um, and you just gotta put in the time. You gotta put in the time. And surround yourself with the best people. In fact, surround yourself with people that are a little better than you. And you will rise to the occasion. I love that. That's a great way to finish it up. I mean, yeah, cause if you, uh, you're an athlete, right? You, would you rather adore You're the type of athlete I bet. You'd rather play a really good team and not win than to play a really crappy team and win by a lot. All day long. Yeah, because you always learn more from the tough ones. How can people follow you on social media? Oh, easy. So, Dorsey's Fitness is my Facebook fan page because I have more than 5,000 people. So sorry. I hate that rule. I think that's lame. Uh, Also, Dorsey's on Twitter and Dorsey's on Instagram. Very easy to find. Doris, I really appreciate everything you're doing. 
you are a rock star and you are the light of my day whenever we bump into each other. So thanks for making the time for this uh, this interview today. I mean, it's a pleasure. I love this industry and I just, I want it to be better. So any opportunity to share my success or my failings, I'm always available. And especially for you, Pete, because um, you, ha- you have a great talent. And I-, I remember back in the day telling you, you should do a podcast and look at you. Well done. Yeah, I listen. I listen. I appreciate you, Have a wonderful day. Thanks for your time. Pete McCall here again. Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And I really, to be honest, I did not know Doris that well. It was until a few years ago. We started getting some assignments together through Core Health and Fitness. And she really has become a very a valuable friend and someone who, whose opinion I trust and whose insight I really I significantly appreciate and respect. She's done a lot of stuff in our industry. You know, Right now, obviously, I'm working as an independent education guy myself. She's done that, so she's provided some helpful insights and if you want to get into the executive suite, if you want to get in what's called the C-suite into an executive position, look at what Doris has done. Look at how she's parlayed her business, her role as a consultant, her role as a master trainer. You know, We talk a little bit about how we walk into different clubs and we can kind of feel the energy, but really where Doris excels is on providing feedback and is on volunteering to be a part of things. And she and I were talking a little bit offline about advice. I, as I was coming up as an educator, a lot of people were very gracious to me and offered their advice. And anybody like Doris or myself or any other leaders in the industry will always take the time to answer a question. So if you're looking at taking that step in your career, if you're, if you're looking at where you want to go in fitness, whether that's owning your own facility, whether it's getting a promotion where you work, whether that's moving on, starting your own thing, or just really doubling down and applying yourself to where you are, There are a few things you always want to look around and say, how can I do this better? How can I do my job the best of my ability? And how can I be an entrepreneur in my role? So this is some of the stuff that I've done and from what I've talked to other leaders in our business. One is you have to know where you want to go. Where do you want to go? What, What role do you want to take? I mean, do you want to be a fitness trainer? Fine, you can do that. Do you want to be a you know personal trainer? Do you want to be an educator? Do you want to be an executive? Define where you want to go. That's your first you know your first thing is define your goal. What do you want to do? You know, second, look around. Who can help you get there? Reach out. Get to know people. Introduce yourself to as many people as possible. I can't emphasize that enough. Years ago, and they can tell you stories. Years ago, I used to go as many conferences as I could. Idea shows, personal trainers everything you know and and i would try to get to know as many people as i could i'd introduce myself presenters and get to know them ask some questions so get to know people get out go to trade shows go to conventions go to the idea shows yes there's an expense involved but you get around people who are doing awesome and amazing things you have to introduce yourself so one you have to know where you're going do two you have to introduce yourself three you have to ask for advice hey do you have any insight on how you want to do that do you have any ideas on how I should do this? Do you have any thoughts about this? And then after you're asking for advice, the next step is listen. Listen. If someone's sharing their advice with you, if someone's sharing their insight, listen to them. Listen. Doesn't mean you have to implement everything, but listen to their advice. They know from experience. If someone who's been doing this business for a while is giving you some insight, listen to them. So we have know where you're going. Ask. You know, listen, do that. You know, talk to people, introduce yourself. The next one, my advice for people that want to get up and, and do different things in the fitness industry is read the room. And what I mean by that is you might be somewhere and be meeting a couple people, 
that are presenters, writers, authors, whatever they are, you know, and, and it may be your first time meeting them. We all want to make a good impression. We all want to have that favorable, good impression. But read the room. Understand what's being talked about. Is this a social situation or is it work situation? Because I can tell you, anybody who's in a social situation doesn't care. I mean, they might talk a little bit about work, but they, they don't really care if you have the latest, greatest idea about how to teach the whatever reverse glute hingey thingy. It doesn't matter. If you hear that people are talking not shop or they're talking just life, talk life. If people are talking shop, you can talk a little bit of shop, but read the room. Understand where you fit in that part of the conversation. Because there's nothing worse than having somebody try to butt in a conversation and either throwing a screeching halt to that conversation or taking it in an entirely different direction when all you want to do is hang out with a couple of friends for a little while and just decompress after a long day. So what do we have? We have know where you're, you're going. Uh, meet as many people as possible. Ask for help. Listen. Read the room. And finally, just be open. Be, just try things. I like Doris's thing. Work harder than other people. I can tell you that's why Doris is where she is. I can tell you that's why most of the successful, successful people in this industry are where they are. It's because they're willing to work harder than the next person. They're willing to take that extra step. They're willing to make that extra phone call. Get there five minutes early. Stay five minutes late. You know, don't sit there and look at your phone. Oh, this place sucks, man. These people don't like me. They don't know me. That's the exact problem. Get out there, meet people, understand how you can do a better job. Ask for feedback and implement it. I always appreciate feedback when people say, hey, this could be done a little bit better. I appreciate that. Tell me how I can get better because we can't do the best we can unless we're always trying to improve just 1% at a time. Hopefully you got a little bit out of today's Empowered Entrepreneur podcast. It's a pleasure bringing it to you. My name is Pete McCall, and I look forward to having you join us for future episodes of the Idea Empowered Entrepreneur. 